You are now listening to Couch Coach Live. All right, so we're back here on another Couch Coach Live. Afternoon, Couch Coaches. We are here. We got a special guest in the building. Um, I, I guess our, our, you know, our guy Maui couldn't make it tonight, but he'll be back with us next week. So I got, I got some reinforcements. I got my guys from the All In podcast. I got my guy Mike and my guy Eli. What's going on, fellas? Not much, man. Thanks for having us on the show. Not a problem. Not a problem. Yes, sir. We appreciate you, man. It's gonna be fun. Absolutely, absolutely. So tell, tell, tell everybody about the All In podcast. Go ahead, Coop. Um, so we started our podcast back in May um, during quarantine, um, and we kind of, you know, are we cover a bunch of different topics, but for the most part, um, we're sports based um, and predominantly NBA because that's what's going on right now. Um, obviously, with NFL getting into swing, we'll start talking about that coming up. But yeah, mostly sports based. Um, we'll we'll delve into important social issues and stuff like that. Um, here and there, but um, yeah, so we we're about 30, what, 36 episodes in now. Yep. Um, you know, starting to pick up some steam, so things have been going pretty good. Yeah, man. Oh, most definitely. So, yeah, man. So, I would definitely want to, you know, you guys talk about you, like, really NBA centric. So, we'll talk about, and we'll talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll um, discuss that, and then we'll try to, you know, squeeze in this uh, game five, uh, re, well, game, what would that be, game six? With uh, well, game five recap of the Bucks and uh, Heat yep. once they conclude. So, your thoughts on last night's uh, <laughs> Raptors versus Celtics? Uh, the Celtics um, pretty much putting uh, the defending champions on the on the brink of elimination. So, I'm gonna go with you first, Mike. Your yeah. thoughts? Uh, yeah, that one hurt. So, if, if your listeners don't know, if you don't know, I'm actually a big Raptors fan. That's that's discussed yeah. on the show yeah. quite a bit. Um, so, I'm a big Raptors guy, and this series. Has been really up and down. Game one, I think we looked at it and we said, like, wow, how good is Boston, right? Like, they really dominated. They hit every open three that they could, and they dominated. Game two, uh, we're kind of looking at it, and we're like, okay, Boston's probably the favorite. And it's a really close game, but I think um, it was actually almost more impressive game two than game one, even though game one they blew them out. Game two, it was like every time Toronto would get close, Boston would just pull away just a little bit more every time. And they finished the game, and you looked at it, and you said they have the best player in the series, Jason Tatum, without a doubt the best player in the series right now. And, and I called it on our podcast. I said that the series is over, right, after game two. And then .5 seconds left, game three, Raptors steal a game, and suddenly you know, we go from .5 seconds of possibly a Raptors getting swept to a 2-1, and they have a real chance. Game two – I mean, game four, excuse me, Kyle Lowry was unbelievable. Um, he was the toughest guy in the game. He he did every little thing that they needed, and they won game four. And we said, what is happening? The Celtics are reeling. Uh, were we wrong? Are we sure they're the better team? And then game five, I think, was kind of a statement by the Celtics saying, no, we are the better team. You had it right after game two. <laughs> and they put the pause on them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're the better team right now. Jason Tatum is the best player. Um, Jalen uh, Brown might be the third, I mean, the third best player, possibly the second best player. And Kemba Walker didn't, Kemba Walker hasn't really played that well in this series. And they're still unbelievable. Um, so I think this one's over. I think it, we learned in this game, if anything, we learned that if the Celtics really want to bear down and win these games, I think they're the better team and I think they're going to do that. So I'm pretty discouraged right now. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I I kind of saw the Celtics bouncing back in Game Five uh, simply because I'm not super convinced by the Raptors' offense. Um, like Mike said, they have the Celtics have Jason Tatum at the end of the day. Um, they have you know a go a legitimate go to guy that they can go to and get them you know baskets whenever. And then Jalen Brown can also be that guy as well. Um, and Siakam has struggled for the mo- for the better part of this series. Even in Game Four, which was his best game, he was ten for twenty three. Um, so I haven't loved their offense. And the big the biggest weakness of the Raptors has shown in their losses, which is where you know they just don't have that consistent go-to guy on offense. And I think that's what hurts them the most. I still don't think it's over though. Like the, the Raptors can still win two games. Uh, there's, there's no reason why they can't. I still got the Celtics in seven, um, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Raptors, you know, bounce back because they defend their defense is one of the best in the league. If you ask me uh, from their, you know, versatility and how hard they compete defensively. Um, and that alone will always keep them in games. So, who knows how this series will end up going? I don't, you know, I'm not as high and low on it as Mike is. Uh, you know, obviously, this is emotional for me. So, <laughs> I'm taking the Celtics. I still got the Celtics in seven. Um, but Mike, Mike, stay positive, man. It's tough. It's tough. But you're right. You're right about the defense. Like they can potentially shut them down, and they can potentially win two games in a row. I think. They could win two games in a row against anybody just if they're the team we saw all season with them. And Nick Nurse is the coach we think he is, which I think he is. So, yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, but if you ask me just to line up these rosters and, and Celtics are taking it easily right now. Yeah, and I just look at the Celtics team where it's just like they're just they're just deep, man. They're just deep yeah. everywhere. And it's like I remember even in game one, I'm like, you getting that contribution from like Marcus Smart, which is like it was amazing. Like I was like, you looked at that, that performance – and then, like, and the thing is, Boston has to close it out because I don't, I don't think I would want Toronto in the in, in Game Seven, especially in a neutral site like this, the bubble, where this could be a potential where it's like, hey, we got to close out. This is going to be our Game Seven, essentially, where we need to close out and have that sense of urgency. Right. So you're going to get the best effort out of both of these teams in Game Six, which I think is going to be very, it's going to be, it's going to be a great game. And like you said, I think. You know, you can't you can't count Toronto out defensively, and then you just look at Boston, where it's just like you're saying, Jason Tatum has just been he's a, he's a man among boys, and even though he's a, he's young, but, he, but he's a man, he's a grown man now in the league. So, yeah, I I, I still think Boston's gonna take care of business. I think I think it's just there for the taking for them, and and the, and the funny thing about it is they're doing this all without Gordon Hayward, which I always yeah. And, and yeah. it's funny. The irony of it is, was I was like, well, they get to the conference championship and he leaves because because he was supposed, you know, supposed to um, lead the bubble because you know his, his wife is pregnant. Mm-hmm. But then him having this injury, you know, in the beginning, so you're like, oh wow, like, and then now they they're taking care of business, and I definitely think they're going to be them in Miami are going to be on the collision course of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, and you talk about um, Tatum, and the thing with him is like. You know, he's shown the flashes, right? Like, his rookie season, he was probably the best player on that team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals and and took LeBron to seven games. And then he, you know, last year, Kyrie kind of implodes in the playoffs and we don't get to see Jason Tatum like we might want to. And then this year, it's like, okay, he is just clearly, like, on another level where it's like, honestly, if you ask me which guy under 
you know, 25 or 23 do I want for the next 15 years? Like, it's probably Luca, but Tatum is a very close second choice for me right now. Like, yeah, and, and I think the biggest yeah. difference going into this year is, like, he just learned. Like, I don't know if it was something, like, when he was training with Kobe, maybe it was or, or something, but, like, he learned how to get to the line on mm-hmm. demand, right? And that's what we see the best yeah. players learn how to do in the playoffs is, like, consistently get to the line. And he's done that this year better than most besides maybe James Harden. Yeah. Your, your thoughts, Eli? Yeah, I mean, especially – I don't know. If we're talking under 25, you got to throw Devin Booker in there. But under 23, is, other than Luka, there's no other debate. Yeah. Jason Tatum has, has separated himself. I think Ben and, like, Donovan Mitchell would have been in that discussion about a year ago. But, like, mm-hmm. these two have elevated – oh, and Zion probably maybe – depending on what kind of shape he's in throughout his career and, and what sure. his health is like. And John Morant are probably the other guys, but, um, you know, it's early on them. So yeah. I don't know, T- you know, Tatum and Luca, uh, both looking scary this postseason so far. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and the beautiful thing about this, they're, pro- they're going to get better. <laughs> that's yeah. the scary yeah. thing about it. So and Luka, the, yeah. Him, man. Yeah. 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 And like yeah, and now they know that they're the guys on that Boston squad. Well, you don't have like you said an alpha dog like a Kyrie, mm-hmm. and we know like you know I wouldn't say he was in their way, but you look at it now, and then they got a guy like a Kimba, who is you know who who can be that guy, but he can be the one that kind of fall back and let these guys lead. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I like about that team and just the, the the depth of it and just the fact that you know they they all work together. Where you know and it's a just scary for the Eastern Conference going forward with this Boston Celtics team. Yeah. yeah. And last thing on the Celtics, too, is mm-hmm. we talk about, like, the playoff experience and, like, who's there. Well, really, Tatum and Brown have the most playoff experience on this team. Like, we talk about how young they are. <laughs> right. Right? Like, Kemba's never made it this far in the playoffs. Like, And, right. and Hayward really hasn't either back in Utah, uh, but he's been hurt. He hasn't been in the equation. So, like, really, they're leaning on Tatum and Brown for more than just great play, but also leadership and they're providing. Yeah, because they went to an Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were a Jeff Green away, a, a hot <laughs> Jeff Green fourth quarter away from going to the NBA Finals. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. But, yeah, so, yeah. So, let's talk about the Western Conference, fellas. Let's talk about the Clippers and the Nuggets recap of last night, uh, that game three uh, matchup where the Clippers won 113-107. And, uh the Clippers are leading the series two to one, man. Your thoughts on the series so far? I'm going to go with you first, uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, I think this is similar to what I said about Boston and Toronto, where the Clippers are the better team, right? Like we know that the Clippers are the better team. Like we well, don't even have to necessarily be the better team on any given night, but we know because they have Kawhi, because they have Paul George, that they're the better team. And I think, you know, game two was probably a very predictable loss for a lot of people looked at it and said, of course that they're of course they're not gonna you know show up tonight. They didn't. They showed up in game one. The Lakers didn't show up last night. It's been interesting to see how they've been almost following each other, yeah. the Lakers and the Clippers, and, and so the Clippers fell flat in game two. Not you know not too different from what we expected. Uh, game three, when it came down to winning time, and we said, okay, who are the best players on the court? Those guys go win the game. That's what the Clippers did, and I think that's what we expected. Now. I'm getting pretty annoyed watching the Clippers, and I'm getting kind of tired of the act because it is they are doing this fall flat play really well, follow the Lakers. And they have like a certain arrogance about them that you would expect from someone who maybe has won the championship before or had more than one player who ever has been to the finals and, and Kawhi being the only guy. 
it's like they're all riding Kawhi's championship last year as we're the defending champs, but really they haven't won anything, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I think the Nuggets blew a huge opportunity to take, you know, some kind of control in this series. Um, they led, you know, by like 20 or so in the first half. Um, and obviously, you know, NBA is a game of runs, so no lead is safe. And we kind of expected the Clippers to get back into it. But even down the stretch, uh, they had multiple opportunities to win this game, uh, you know, and and just didn't get the plays. Jer- Jeremy Grant had three wide open uh, threes, two of them from the corner. And, you know, he's a much improved shooter. I think those are shots that you would expect him to knock down the way he's been playing. And he doesn't, you know, and the Clippers essentially said, well, if you're going to have him on the floor, he was really out there to guard uh, Kawhi. But, you know, they're like, all right, well, if you're going to have him on the floor, we're going to force him to make shots. Um, You know, and and Jamal Murray wasn't great last night. I think that hurt, Um, especially since Jokic actually had a good game um, and was kind of pacing them throughout. I think if they get, like, any kind of production from Jamal Murray late, you know, we're probably – having a different discussion and probably a little worried about the Clippers, um, you know, because in these one, one series game threes, a lot of times end up determining this series. Uh, Cause you're the momentum can shift uh, a lot. Now, a lot of times it's because it's home and away, but even, you know, from what we're seeing now and one in the bubble, uh, that game three is still important. So, you know, like Mike said, the Clippers are, are clearly the better team. Uh, they they haven't played like it though, and if we're being honest, Kawhi's been pretty bad the last two games, especially in game two, he was awful. Yeah. But even down the stretch in game three, he was not good. He was one for seven in the fourth, five points. Uh, you know, he did have some good plays. He had a couple of good passes down the stretch uh, to Zubak, and then he obviously that ridiculous block he had on Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, with his middle finger at the rim. Uh, you know, ended up saving them essentially because that would have been a huge play. Uh, but, you know, other than that, they haven't been really been able to lean on him. And Paul George, who was awful yeah. in the first round, <laughs> has now become like yeah. the guy that yeah. is kind of carrying them. So, like, for some reason, they can't get both of these guys to really play well at the same time, especially at least for an entire series. And you have to wonder what the Clippers will look like if they ever do both get into a rhythm at the same time. Um, but you know, right now it's, it's been a little iffy for the Clippers and it's mostly like, you can tell it's an effort thing. Like they don't bring their very best 48 minutes every night because they don't respect the first two teams that they've played. I think they're like patiently waiting to play the Lakers in the conference finals. Um, but Denver is kind of, you know, making that statement like, Hey, you still have to go through us to get to that series. And you got to respect the fight that they're putting up at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's the thing too, with the Clippers, they just, they, right. And I agree with you, your, um, your point, Mike, where they, they act like they're the ones who've won, who's been there before, where as far as the turning the off and on switch, which it just trips me out, especially like in last night's game. I'm like, y'all getting molly at one point, And then now you, you, now you turn it up in the, at the end of the second quarter, 
which I knew that was the deterrent. That was the you know the turning point where I think at that time they were only down by two, and that was one of those type of leads that evaporated real quick. Yeah. I, mean, I remember just you know doing something, and then all of a sudden coming back like, oh wow, they they cut it down to two. Yeah. So that was like that's another thing too, where you look at that and then playoff P is back. So <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's another thing where like you said, and then you never really has have. They've never him and Kawhi has haven't had a game together where you know like a like an AD and LeBron has had a couple times in this series. Well, that's another thing too where it's it's a little leery. And then like you said, do they take these teams serious? Which in essence, you really do need to take these teams serious. And I think they do at at stretches. And I think what they did really well is definitely um, you know perimeter defense. They held Murray in check, and that's yeah. another thing too where you like you look at that situation. It's like. If you did this all series long, you know, you're hurting yourself by doing these things. And, and, and the Clippers are another team where tomorrow you, you're going to have to take care of business. You want to be up 3-1 in this series. You don't want to – you don't want to do like you did with Dallas where, you you know, you end up tying and then, you know, you end up winning two straight. You may not win two straight against this Denver team if it's tied 2-2. So – and we know how Denver is. Denver was down 3-1 in the other series against Utah, even though Utah isn't the Clippers by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah. they've been there and then playoff experience. They've this that was their, you know, they've been to a game seven three times already. So they have the experience, you know, so they're not just gonna be somebody, you know, that you can just, you know, they gonna Clippers gonna have to, you know, tighten it up, you know, because they don't yeah. they don't want them in there. Yeah, for sure. And we talk about the Clippers and we're like waiting for them to click it. And we're like, if they could just get it going at the same time. But like, I think we also need to start realizing that like that might not ever happen, right? Like this is a group that played less than 15 games altogether in the regular season before the stoppage. And then you have a six month stoppage and then you're expected to just throw everything together and make it work. Like they basically haven't even played half a season together yet. Like imagine any super team at the beginning of a season where you throw pieces that have never played together together and you say, make this work. Well, like it usually takes a little bit to get it going. Maybe the all-star break is when you finally click it on, or maybe it's the 60 game mark where you're saying, okay, the playoffs are coming up. We got to get going now. Well, like we haven't seen that switch been turned on by the Clippers yet. And like, if I'm a Clippers guy, which there are few and they're going to have an extreme <laughs> advantage in the playoffs when they play the Lakers, because they aren't going to have to be at Staples Center. So that's yeah, going to help them. True, but right. I'm saying, I'm saying, if we don't turn this on now, by the time we play the Lakers, like we're going to lose in six because we can't continue to play this poorly every other night and expect right. to beat these really good teams. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing too. Where you look at it, yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to take care of business, like you said. You don't, you know, if you would have played, you know, in normal time, like you said, and it's funny that you say that because. That could have been that time that they probably wanted to get the chemistry together during that after the all-star break, but yeah. we were essentially kind of robbed of it. I mean, you got to think about yeah. it, you know, because that March, after them, them uh, suspending the season in March, you know, that was something that, like you're saying, that could have been the time where they could have been, you know, as far as getting everything developed and, right. you know, you know, you know, pretty much getting themselves ready for the playoffs, like almost like priming themselves for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's a trip, but but they got they got to take care of business in this series tomorrow night and at least get to a three one cushion and you know all you got to do at this point is win one or one out yeah. the out, you know out of that so 
Yeah, man, and get and, and get ready for that Western Conference Finals that we all been looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you are the Clippers, you're looking at Game Four and you're saying, okay, like this is the time now. We want to do it right now. That way, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go crazy in Game Five. We can, you know, we have a cushion here. Like, let's try to turn this on now, get some rest before the yeah. Lakers. Like, this would be the time for them if they are this great team that they're going to turn it on. Especially since it looks like the Rockets are going to push the Lakers to a tough series. So, yeah. like, any rest the Clippers can give themselves by going hard now is certainly going to benefit them going into that conference finals um, because them being the more rested team against the Lakers will certainly benefit them because they're going to want to play at a faster pace. Uh, and with the Lakers coming off a series against a team that already plays at a lightning fast pace, and, you know, being exhausted after a long series there, that's only going to be a benefit for the Clippers. Yeah. And like you said, the rest is going to be a huge factor because you think about it. If this Clipper, if, if this Lakers series go to seven or six, you can have, you can potentially have almost a week off. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you need that right around this, this time. Right. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk about the the uh, the game that's going on now, the uh, Bucks versus the Celtics, and the Celtics, but the Bucks versus the Heat. Which at this point, uh, it looks like it's going about to be a foregone conclusion. Um, mm. Essentially, uh, the, the Heat has an eight point lead with seven minutes and forty two seconds left to go in the fourth, and the number one seed in the Eastern Conference is on the verge of being eliminated. Man, you guys thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks and? What's next for um, Giannis? Well, and for the second year in a row, uh, the Bucks are getting bounced before making it to the finals with undoubtedly the two-time MVP. It's only a matter of time before they announce him. Um, but yeah, I mean, when they call when they ruled him out tonight, I, I figured they probably were going to pull this one off. However, they've competed well without him. I think there's something to be said about that because. His supporting cast has gotten a lot of heat throughout this series, even though truly he's the one who has not played well. Um, and, you know, this is kind of the thing with Giannis is in playoff time when defenses, you know, load up on him more and focus more on him are more physical with him um, and the game slows down so he can't get out and transition as much. His flaws uh, get exposed more than they normally would in, a, in the regular season. Um, and his inability to knock down a jump shot from any spot on the floor, even mid-range at this point, um, is holding him back. Um, you know, and the Bucks, granted, they don't have the best roster around him, um, you know, but they certainly are better than losing in five to the Heat, if you ask me, um, if he's playing anywhere near the way he plays in the regular season, um, at, you know, but – at this point, I think he does have to consider, you know, one, whether he's a Batman, you know what I mean? Someone who is your go-to guy in the playoffs. Can he get those kind of late crunch time buckets or does he need more help? Does he need a type, something like that, um, you know, or just simply somebody who can be a closer for him? I think he. I think he has to take a, a serious look um, at maybe forcing his way out of Milwaukee because they don't have a ton of flexibility to get, you know, additional talent around him. As much as I like Chris Middleton, like 
he's not a good enough second best player for the way Giannis plays in the playoffs. You know, so we'll see. I think Golden State takes a look into a possible, you know, number two pick uh, to, to Milwaukee type trade. Not sure if, if Milwaukee will go for it or if Milwaukee will say, listen, we're not going to trade the two-time MVP. We'd rather lose him in free agency, which wouldn't make a ton of sense. Um, but if Giannis comes out this offseason and says that he's not going to resign next year, the Bucks have to make a decision on what they're going to do. Um, and, and trading him obviously you know, makes more sense than losing him for nothing in 2021. So yeah. this, this, uh, once this game finishes up tonight, um, it's definitely going to heat up this NBA offseason uh, with the decision that the Bucks and Giannis will have uh, going forward. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I think him not playing tonight might say a little bit more than what you know we've led on to. Even like you couldn't. I mean, I guess it was bad, but like I don't know. I think a lot of guys would be suiting up for Game Six on brink of elimination or Game Five on brink of elimination when you have the number one seed. He is probably going to be on his way out, and we have to start looking at him like. You know, I don't think we can say Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Like, we can't have that in our vocabulary anymore. Like, he won back-to-back MVP, yes, and he should have because he was the best player in the regular season both of those seasons. But, like, at the end of the day, and the player we compare him to the most is Shaq with the Magic, right? Like, he's a center. At the end of the day, he is a center. Mm-hmm. He he can't really shoot. You know, he, can, he, he does the end-to-end ball handling stuff, but, like, he's not a guard. And we see in the playoffs now, like, that style doesn't really work. You know, possibly because he is a center. Um, and we look at all centers in history. Like, even look at Magic when he was with – I mean, look at Shaq when he was with the Magic. And then he goes to the Lakers. Like, the Lakers were getting swept in the playoffs before Kobe came into his own. Like, centers need a good guard, a smart playmaking guard. Like, all great centers need it. And he needs to end up going somewhere with that. Like, Middleton – and we can talk about how deep Milwaukee is. Milwaukee's got a pretty good roster around him this year, but they don't have that second guy. They don't have that third guy even, really. Middleton right. might be a third guy, but, like, he's not a second guy. And, you know, actually, Milwaukee played pretty good when he went out in game four. and game five, like, at least in the first half tonight, they were showing fight. I think Miami's probably going to pull away here uh, towards the end of the game. But they were putting up a fight. And it's something that actually me and Coop talked about this quite a few times during this bubble is, like, the Bucks are better when they go small. Right, they spread the floor. They mm-hmm. have shooters. They're deep, um, but like unintended consequence of Giannis going out is like they go smaller because he's the freaking center. So like essentially, he's playing center. Brook Lopez is playing four. They're huge. They're so stuffed up. And in the playoffs, that's just not going to work when the court shrinks and everybody gets tighter. Like it's not going to work with two centers out there in 2020. And you know, Giannis, unfortunately, right now is a center. He's got to do something about the jumper but i don't think he ever will i think this is who he is he's just not being used properly he shouldn't be uh the ball handler in the fourth quarter like that's not his role yeah and yeah i you know it's one thing as well with milwaukee like they're they got a decision to make because like you said if he said if he doesn't want to re-up you you got to get something for him because yeah. I mean, you don't want to be like Cleveland, you know, when they, you know, when LeBron left, you got nothing, yeah. and you know, so you got you want to get something for that, you know, for him. And then the part of you, you're like, because you can't lose a two time MVP and just let him just walk, right, without getting right. anything. So, yeah, I mean, and I like I do feel for Milwaukee. I think that you know they, 
they're you know a good store, especially for a small market team. You always want to root for the small market teams because you know, like they, you know, Milwaukee's not gonna probably have ever have an opportunity like this ever again to land a guy like this or this talent, and it's just gonna yeah. be you know, which <laughs> is yeah, that's the sad thing, isn't it? It's uh, you know, he's such a they got so lucky. I think he was like the 15th pick or something like yep. that in the draft mm-hmm. um, yep. where guys like Nerlens Noel and Michael Carter Williams went ahead of yeah. him. I mean, right. it was, it was such an awful draft <laughs> um, that CJ yeah. McCollum went 10th, um, which CJ McCollum has been great, but like mm-hmm. he, he dropped all the way to 15th. And as a, like you said, as a um, small market franchise, you could not ask for more from someone who was the 15th pick. Um, you know, yes. and now you're potentially going to lose him for nothing in 2021. I think that would be too detrimental to the Bucks. Um, I think they, I think they have to trade him. Um, you know, if he gives any indication that he's not going to sign, I, I probably sure. would ask him. Let's, you know, start the contract negotiations yeah. here. Say, listen, are we going to extend or what? You know, like I think you have right. to lay it out there because yeah. you really can't afford. Uh, you know, to lose him for nothing because then you're you're in tank mode at that point. Yeah. Right. Right. And you got to trade him quick because to me, you know, to a point where, you know, his, even though it's hard to say that his value is going to depreciate, but you're going to get some BS deals. So obviously, yeah. you're right. like, all right, let's weed him out first and, you know, see what happens with that. And definitely huge shout out to our guy, Dylan, who said, Greek Freak is going to look good in purple and gold next season. Man, if he go to the uh. Lakers. If you go to Lakers, I'm done with the league. I'm done with the NBA. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't even make that happen. I'm not sure that that one goes through Adam Silver's office. Rob Pelinka, you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, but that, I, think, I, I think there are some trade destinations that make sense. I think mm-hmm. I, could see the, I could see the Raptors packaging something together, especially if they lose Homer. in the second round. No, I'm serious, though. But he's <laughs> hey. Got, hey, he's got the connection with Masai, Jerry, right? If they, are, if they package together OG, Siakam, a couple of – Two or three picks, and 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 if you're the Bucks, I think if there's any inkling that he might stay, I don't think you're going to get a straight answer. Probably, if you do, right. then you know to trade him. But if you don't know and you think there's a greater than fifty percent chance that he could stay, I think I'm not trading him, and I'm just going for it this year. Yeah. Right? Like I think I'm just going to go for it. I, I I had the most wins in the league last year. I had one of the best uh, net ratings of all time. Like, I think I'm going to go for it again one more time. And if we lose him for nothing, you know what? We tried. We tried. Like, we went for it. We did it the best we could, at least uh, we thought anyway, without signing anybody else. Because, listen, it's not easy to get free agents to come to Milwaukee exactly. Okay? They've made that deal. They've made the team as deep as they can. But I think Toronto makes some sense. I think Dallas, if with a Porzingis – because um, he, he's got a big deal, he can match Giannis's, and then they throw in a couple of picks. That could make sense. There's like some options. I don't think the Lakers are one of them, though. I don't think the Lakers <laughs> have <laughs> a pack. <laughs> it's already mortgaged on um, AD. The the maps sound good. Uh, the only thing is, Mark Cuban likes his international guys. You know, I think you know Porzingis gives him. Well, I get well Giannis is. Well, he, I was like, gonna say, I should say European. Like Mark Cuban likes his Euro dudes. Um, and I think Porzingis yeah. gives him Dirk vibes. So I don't know that he – I don't know if he parts ways with him so soon after trading for him. But do a Luka, Giannis? a Luka and Giannis duo would be mad. And they have enough pieces. Yeah. Uh, and he would be that guard I'm talking about, that playmaker I'm talking about. That yeah. Needs. 
Right, right. The, the other one, and probably the one we hear the most about him going to in free agency in 2021 is Miami. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, structured their contracts. They have that cap space for him in 2021. They have enough assets to trade for him, you know, and, and maybe say, you know, maybe we don't want to wait. Now, I don't know how it fits. I think you may have to give up BAM. Which I don't, I don't know that they would want to do, but you might get, you could possibly get away with a Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, two first round picks. I think all you need, and if they buy the hype on Kendrick Nunn, I think you sell high on Kendrick Nunn right now. I don't right, maybe, right. Keep, maybe keep Duncan. I think they they got to keep one of the snipers. I really yeah, Tyler, keep one think, of yeah, yeah. Tyler Hero has to go in that deal uh, for it to be even close, like for the Bucks to consider. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, if Giannis comes and says like, "Yo, I want to go to the Heat," you know, make it happen, Kevin. Make it happen, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. they got to get as much back as possible. Like you said, Kendrick Nunn's pretty good. You know, I th- I like him. And yeah. you, and you know what would be perfect for that? Because then you got Jimmy there, who's a closer, and he needs that. And like you said, right. going back to your point, where it's almost like even though I hope LeBron don't name drop us, it's almost like what Jay Will said the other day. Where, yeah, you have the talent, but you just need that alpha guy, yeah. and that's what maybe that's and that's what it really ultimate what it boiled down to. I didn't think it was a that big of a deal, but like you said, I think he needs a close, and that's why I think that's why I think Philly messed up big time by not reading him up because I think when you look at Simmons and Embiid, they're talented, no doubt, but they need a closer, and you look yeah. at what Miami's doing, they got a closer, and you see. Essentially, why they won these three games, Jimmy Butler has been an integral part of them of them closing the game. So yeah. he gets that. You're like, okay, well, you know, you get him on top of that type of ability. And not to say it's a you know a power struggle. We know that Giannis is is the best player. It's just more so do he need an alpha around him. And that's what yes. it probably what it also boils down to. Because you gotta think about it. He came in this league at 18 years old, and he really don't have it, it really hasn't had a a, a vet. To him, for him. Right. So that's another thing where I think people fail to realize too, where, you know, we thinking that these guys, you know, this guy came came out of, you know, you know, just out of nowhere at 18 years old, barely knew the language, barely knew just the maneuver around just, you know, this day-to-day stuff. And then he emerges now to be a two-time MVP. And he yeah. really never had like a veteran leadership. And now he finally even got a, you know, a good coach. Which I, I think even I think Jim, um, Jason Kidd did a, did somewhat of a good job. I think he was just, you know, he, you know, he was doing a little crazy stuff, you know, as far as having that archaic offense, but Jason yes. Kidd was there to kind of help him with that too. So, I mean, he's been for the most part with, you know, even though coach Boonhouse is a good coach, but you know, that's one other thing too. And now if he goes to Miami, great coach in his posture, Spolster yeah. knows how to, you know, you know how to, how to coach him up. So that'd be a good situation. And then go to state. I'm thinking go to state. Like we said, they could trade that number two. I mean, you would, you got to put in. Do they want Andrew Wiggins? Uh, I mean, that's the thing. You got to take him for contract purposes. I was gonna say, yeah, gonna yeah, you got to take him for the contract. It might as well be Wiggins. He's young, right? And that's the thing where you take him and it's just like, hmm, right? But and it's, I think and I think the verdict is still out on him as well. I think he still has a shot too. He's another guy where it's like he's young. He just ain't having really. You know, he goes to Cleveland. You know, have you know? Well, not no. He never went to Cleveland. That's right. No, he he got drafted, but he, he got drafted. Yeah, that's right. Because he went to Minnesota initially. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. right. He right. never he never In went the love to Cleveland. Trade. 
Yeah, in the love trade. So, yes, yeah, he was in Minnesota. You know, and that was another, you know, crazy situation with him and Jimmy Butler and all, you know, and Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. He goes to Golden State where initially he gets traded and then the season spends a month after him, you know, after he gets gets there. So, right. you know, who's to say? But, yeah, I like this team going forward. And, um, you know, as far as, I mean, as far as if they do this, you know, as far as um, – if they if if either one of them get um, Giannis, if we look at Golden State, even Toronto, I think whoever gets him, yeah, they're in a good spot. And I think even I think even him having a guy like a Cal Lowry there would help him in Toronto. I think you know somewhat like of a closer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that would be a good situation for him. And then you know then you you know you would you would assume that you're gonna keep Van Fleet. You well, know. he's yeah, he's unrestricted, yeah. So they got they got to tie up, yeah, potentially, right? They, potentially. So yeah. you look at those type of situations, and so yeah, so and then also, guys, I want to talk about the um, the Brooklyn Nets hire uh, with mm-hmm. Steve Nash. Your guys' thoughts on? I'm gonna go with you first, Eli. Your thoughts on uh, Steve Nash as the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets? I like it. Um, you know, granted, he has he doesn't have NBA coaching experience, um, but he has been working in Golden State uh, consult as a consultant uh, during their title runs with uh, Curry and KD and things like that. Um, you know, and if if we really look at it, you know, the D'Antoni system as it was in Phoenix was really designed a lot by the input of Steve Nash. Uh, collaborating with D'Antoni. So, you know, and and he's always been, you know, a floor general extension of the coach, even as a player. Um, And this is something that we actually see a lot amongst point guards is, you know, which if we we go back in history, Doc Rivers, Isaiah Thomas, um, Mark Jackson, uh, Nate McMillan, uh, I believe. And then there was uh, Jason Kidd all got, and Steve Kerr, all got coaching jobs with no yeah. coaching Magic, Magic Johnson, too. Right, Magic. yeah, all with no prior coaching experience. And, you know, there's a reason for that, right? It's because, you know, your job as a point guard, at least it used to be, was to be an extension of the coach, you know what I mean? And, and a floor general and directing guys on where to go. So, like, naturally, you had to have a higher IQ than the rest of the players on the floor. You need to know every position out there. You need to know the offense better than anyone. That's just how the point guard position was played in that era. Um, And really, it should still be played now. That's another topic. But, you know, if you're looking at um, how you pair him with a guy like Kevin Durant, um, he's already worked with KD. um, So obviously, you know, he's coming in familiar with the best player that they have. um, And really... I think the biggest benefit of this hire is going to be on Kyrie Irving. Um, I think there's a lot that Kyrie Irving can learn from Steve Nash about being a floor general, um, especially because, you know, granted, Kyrie is a, is a champion, uh, but he wasn't the floor general when they won, right? Like that was LeBron's role essentially was being the floor general and the leader. But like KD, that's not KD's role. KD's role is to be the best scorer on the planet so, you know, now Kyrie's going to have to be more of a point guard than he ever was. Even in Boston, he still kind of had to be the go-to scorer, you know, because Jason Tatum and guys were young. This is probably the first time in his life where he hasn't been the first uh, or the best perimeter scorer on his team. 
Um, so I think he can learn a lot here from Steve Nash about being a true floor general, learning how to set the table for his teammates, get Kevin Durant easy looks, and then still be able to be that go-to guy when, you know, KD's off or you're not getting – your other teammates aren't on. Then you come in and show, you know, the natural scoring ability that you've had your entire career. Uh, I think Steve Nash is going to bring that balance out of him. Um, you know, so I think I think it's a great hire specifically for Kyrie Irving. Um, and, you know, if KD comes back at 90 percent of what he was previously, uh, the Eastern Conference is is going to be, you know, and again, you know, who knows what happens in Milwaukee. But just with these two coming back fully healthy next year, uh, the East is going to look even tougher um, than it already was this year. Yeah. I like to hire too. Um, a lot of the reasons Eli said, and you know, I guess there is some debate about whether or not a player should be hired with no previous coaching experience. Like I would probably be on the side of it's okay. Like they know what they're doing. Like they played in the league. Like we should give them some level of respect just for that alone. You know, it wasn't like, and it's not like this is just some random guy too. Like Steve Nash, there was never a time where Steve Nash was playing where we weren't thinking like he's one of the highest IQ guys we've ever seen really. Right. in the league at that point and like he's definitely gonna be a coach someday like i think he always wanted yeah. to be a coach someday but like he retired and his life changed he you know like different stuff he had young kids at the time like he wanted to go do the soccer thing on uh tnt which was cool he did that for a couple of years and now he's like okay i want to get into coaching this is what i wanted to do and you know it's not like let's not pretend the nets looked at this and they evaluated all these candidates and they said uh like we could hire this guy. We could hire this guy. Oh, we think Steve Nash is just the best fit. Like, let's go with Steve Nash. Like, no, like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving told them, like, we're hiring Steve Nash. Like, this is the guy we want, and we're going to hire him. Like, it's a player's league. Like, they run this league. Like, KD and Kyrie picked Steve Nash. It's not like the Nets made yep. this long, calculated decision. With that being said, I think they made a great choice. I think that, you know, he's going to implement a system that is going to mirror kind of what the warrior system was kind of, you know, mirroring in that case, what the Suns used to be uh, in that D'Antoni derivative where Steve Nash was involved. Steve Nash was actually the G I mean, Steve Nash was a player. Steve Kerr was the GM of that team. And then it was all D'Antoni's offense. And then Kerr kind of kept that with him when he went to golden state. And now probably I'm assuming Nash is going to at least keep principles of that when he goes to, to Brooklyn. And that's probably when we saw KD, like when KD went there, we're like, wow, this is perfect for him. Like, you know, and it's it's the Suns. You know, back then every player that was good, we were saying, "Oh, they'd be great in the Suns system." And then every <laughs> right. every every free agent, we said, "Oh, they'd look great in the Warriors system." Like if they could just get them on the like we said that about everybody. But it's like there's some truth to it where the system does accelerate certain guys. And I think this one is perfect for KD. Um, it should, I think, also take some load off of him where he doesn't have to be. They don't have to be so reliant in like an isolation style. Uh, and on his Achilles where he can actually work his way into it and then come playoff time where you're probably going to be a little bit more relying on that, like, kind of like what we saw in Golden State. Like, they do their thing all season, and then in the playoffs, like, a lot of times they'd go to him down the stretch for those ISO situations. Um, I think by that time you're thinking, okay, this is going to be enough time where he's all the way good to go, 100% KD. Hopefully that would be the plan anyway. Um, so I, right. I like to hire, and I think the Nets, you know, not to be the hot take guy, but I think they have to enter the next season as the East favorite. Right, like, who would you really favor over them? You know, knowing we're gonna have Kyrie and KD, it's like, I guess we could right. say, I guess we could say, you know, because even if Miami comes out of the East this year, unless they get Giannis, 
I think we're still going to look at that roster and line it up to Brooklyn's and say, well, they have KD and Kyrie. Like, we're still taking them, almost like we did with the Raptors this year. Like, we kind of just lined up their roster with some of these guys, and we said, like, they're we know they're defending champs, and we respect these guys, but they're just not as good as these other guys. And it's, and it's showing true in the playoffs right now against Boston. So, like, we're going to do that next year with Miami. And then Boston, maybe. If, like, if Boston wins the championship, then, yeah, they're going to be the favorite. If they make the yeah. finals, probably you have to stick with them. But, like, if they lose in the, in the Eastern Conference finals, um, I think you're saying KD and Kyrie are the best duo. And I think the Steve Nash hire is going to be a success. So that would probably, for me, make them the favorite in the East next year. Yeah, I agree. And I look at the Nets where, like, it's a great hire. And, it's, it's, yeah. and now we just look at now how it is where, you know, these out-of-the-box hires and, they ha- and it works. Like we yes. looked at Steve Nash. I'm not. I mean, you know, we looked at Steve Kerr because we were like, okay, he had to choose between Brook, um, the the um, the Warriors and the and the Knicks. You're like, yeah. that was a no brainer. <laughs> like, so you look at that, and you know, and I just think, like you said, I think that's a perfect coach for them, especially KD and and um and Kyrie. And I think other guys gonna benefit. Uh, you know, if you know, if Karis LeVert is still around, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, those mm-hmm. guys. I think if they, you know, they if they hang around. I think they could definitely be, um, you know, definitely beneficial in this system. And I like it. It's just innovative. And, you know, it's one of the things where, you know, you do want a, a fresh coach because we do have a lot of retreads in the NBA. You know, we've, you know, we've seen that yeah. very often. So they so have a fresh face in the league. And, I mean, he got it basically so, solely on that. And, when, and then in his relationship with KD, I think you look yeah. at that and it's like, you know, KD has the clout. So obviously, hey, like I always said, like, you know, people, you know, like, that's the reason why Kenny Atkinson is not in, in Brooklyn, in my personal opinion. Because right. essentially, because if, if he, if he, trust me, if he, if he wanted to still be there, they would have begged and pleaded for him to stay. So to me, they're the ones who are making the decisions. And hey, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So, fellas, we actually had some breaking news, which oh. kind of crazy. So, I guess you can look at the screen, fellas. I think, well, let me take off this comment real quick. So, Billy Donovan is out at OKC. Breaking news. So, they um, they did, they were trying to do an extension on Billy Donovan, and Billy, and both of them essentially parted ways. Matter of fact, I'm going to try wow. to zoom in a little bit in for you guys. So, Donovan, out, you guys can see it? Yeah. 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 So Billy Donovan is out in in OKC. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit surprising, I'd say, considering the run they had <laughs> this year and what we expected them going into the year. Uh, maybe he wants to go back to college. Maybe maybe he doesn't like the pros as much as he thought he would when he left Florida. Now I will say he was very very bad in the late game stretches of the of that series against Houston in in Game Seven especially. It was very bad on his part so maybe it makes sense yeah um you know i think the thunder are actually looking to go into a rebuild mode um so according to waj here um he's saying with obviously the pandemic affecting league revenue revenues and things like that okc may not want to carry some of the key veteran contracts that they have um, and really, you know, the first thing that starts any rebuild is the coach being fired so, or not re-signed. His contract ended, um, you know, and he probably would have carried a sizable price tag, you know, uh, going into yeah. his, his second contract. Right. So that's probably what they're looking at. You're looking at a small market team 
that was likely impacted heavier than others in the league, um, obviously by the pandemic. Yeah. So we're probably, this is probably going to be followed with Chris Paul's departure. Um, Steven Adams is probably going to be on the trading block. He has a pretty hefty contract. Um, so this looks like OKC blowing it up, trying to reduce as much cost as they possibly can, um, especially since they're not a contender. You know, they're a team that earned a tremendous amount of respect this year because uh, no one thought they were going to make the playoffs, and let alone push Houston to a game seven um, after losing Russ and Paul George. Um, and they have a nice young building block in SGA. Um, so they're probably going to get more players on his timeline as far as like development goes. Whereas like most of the guys around him are older on the back end of their careers or already in their primes. Yeah. So, um, you know, Steven Adams will likely look to go to a, a playoff contender, see, you know, who he can help out. Um, and, and the Thunder will likely look for younger talent to surround around SGA uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. I mean, uh, and it's funny because I, you know, we in between always checking Twitter, or whatever, and I'm here in the fall. I'm like, I'm gonna check. I'm gonna check and make sure Woj got it before I break this yeah, down. Yeah, so yeah. I gotta, yeah, yeah, you know, want to be certified when it comes to this type of news. But yeah, man, Billy Donovan out. Like you said, I think you guys uh, hit the head, hit the point, um, hit the nail on the head where they're in a re- full reboot, uh, rebuild mode essentially, where they're like, hey, you know, yeah. it's, it's time to just clean house, and especially that Chris Paul, forty-five million dollars. We got to get him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're yeah, going to have to yeah. find somebody to take him. Like, I mean, that's that's a rough contract. I, that's I rough. Know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who exactly I, is going to be signing up for that. Miami? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Before the season, it was Miami. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I think most people were hesitant on it because he didn't look good, right, before this year. Now this year he looked pretty good. And now maybe taking on that contract for a year yeah. doesn't seem like such a bad idea, especially if yeah. you're the – you're like this close, yep. you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll be 36 in May. Well, in 2021, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting of what they're going to do with uh, OKC. Yeah. And um, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, Milwaukee was eliminated tonight. It was 18.8 seconds to go. It's over. And, and yeah, it's over. Uh, they're down by seven with 18 seconds to go. It's over. And then Miami Heat's going to move on uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2014. So, fellas, enough of hoops. I want I want to get you guys thoughts on the on the NFL. So we are we are less than 48 hours away from the tip off of the NFL season. So, guys, I want to know your. So, what we're going to do? We'll go around the horn. I just want to know your 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 seven playoff teams. You you know your four divisional winners and then your three wild cards. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you first, Eli. Who is your um? We'll, we'll start the NFC. Who are your your top seven? Your seven teams are gonna make the playoffs in the NFC. So I'm gonna start in the NFC East um, because that is where my team, the Philadelphia Eagles, reside. Uh-oh. And I'm gonna be a homer. I'm gonna take the Eagles to win the division. Um, and I know Dallas has a ton of talent. Um, and I was really upset when they drafted CeeDee Lamb in the first round right before the Eagles pick. I thought he would have been a perfect fit for us. Um, you know, but as great as Dallas's offense is, I'm still not a Dak Prescott believer in, you know, crunch time. 
yeah. or late down this late down the stretch in the season. Um, you know, and, and their offense has always been talented. That's never really been the problem. Um, it's a lot of times it's about whether their defense gets stops mm-hmm. and then whether their offense, you know, stalls late in the season. A lot of times Dak has not gotten it done. Um, so I still think Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in this division. Um, and a lot of times that's what wins you the division. So uh, I think it's going to be an ugly year in the NFC. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Um, but I can see the Eagle, the Eagles coming out of the uh, NFC East. In the North, I'm going to go with the – I'm going to go with Green Bay. Um, and not for like what – you know, throughout Aaron Rodgers' career, we would think it's because Aaron Rodgers is, you know, having an MVP caliber season. Well, they've kind of shifted away from that, right? They're more, you know – running uh, a run and rely on the defense type team and not really because Aaron Rodgers isn't good anymore. He's still very good, uh, but because Aaron Jones is that good, uh, you know, and their defense is that good. So, you know, they're uh, to me, I think they have the most consistent team in the, in the NFC North. Um, So I'm going to go with them to win the NFC North in the South. I like the saints. I think I'm going to stick with the Saints. I know everybody's high on Tampa Bay, um, but I think Tampa Bay, you know, with all the moving pieces that they had, even adding Leonard Fournette in the mix now, um, you're talking about a lot of moving pieces with no preseason games, mm-hmm. uh, a shorter training camp. There's going to be some bumps in the road there. So I don't. I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a division winner um, just yet. And the Saints, you know, bring it back. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, their main core. Looks like Alvin Kamara is going to have his contract situation settled pretty soon, um, which will be good for that entire team. Um, So I got the Saints taking the NFC South. And then out West, uh, the 49ers are still the best team in the NFC West. Uh, Their defense is elite. Um, I think Debo Samuel, once he gets fully healthy, um, takes a leap forward this year at the wide receiver position. We all know what George Kittle's capable of. Um, so I'm going to take uh, San Fran out west uh, to win the division. And then my three wild cards are going to be Minnesota, Tampa Bay, and Seattle uh, coming out of the being the wild cards in the NFC. So uh, I think Dallas misses the playoffs again, um, which would be great for me, to be honest. <laughs> Hey, man, absolutely. I'm an NFC East guy as well. So, yeah, I would definitely love that as well. Mike, who you got yeah. in the NFC? Okay, so I'll, I'll go same order as Eli that in the NFC. I also have the Eagles winning the NFC East. Um, I don't know if they get much better. I don't know if they're much better than 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6. and six. Uh, But I think Dallas does have some holes. The offensive line has always been the strong suit. Travis Frederick retired. That's going to be huge. And then Leo Collins is now out for the season. So, like, you know, two of the best offensive linemen in the league just gone. Like That that really hurts, I think. Um, those are holes that you really can't replace. Um, and then, you know, the, the Eagles, I think Wentz does have a bit of a, you know, bounce back to not quite where he was about to win MVP of the league, but, like, I think he's probably closer to that than what we've been seeing. So I think that I think he is the best division, best quarterback in the division. I think Eli's right. I got the Eagles winning the division. Um, NFC North, I think he had next. I'll go with the Vikings in that one. 
Um, you know, the, one of the big questions was replacing Everson Griffith. They did that with the trade uh, this past week, so they should keep that pass rush. I know they're going to lose Stephon Diggs. I don't know if that's a huge loss, really. Um, you know, receivers, and he's more of a deep guy at this point and also was causing a lot of headaches more than um, touchdowns this year, last year anyway. So I think it's not a huge loss where I think they can replace that just fine. Green Bay, uh, you know, they really didn't improve. They did not. You know, and their team last year, like, I think if you watched a lot of their games, for me anyway, I watched a lot of their games, and I was thinking, like, how did they even win this game? Like, they were not the better team in this game. Like, it was a close game, and they pulled it out, and maybe that says a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and maybe I shouldn't be, uh, you know, sort of knocking them for that. I should be congratulating them for that. But it almost felt a little bit of randomness at times. I think maybe if you play those games, you know, ten more times, they win four or five uh, instead of every time. So I think maybe this is a little regression for them. Um, and then in the NFC South, I think you had next, I go with the saints as well. I think continuity is going to matter this season more than any other season, uh, because of like what you said, no preseason games, shortened training camp. Um, the way that they operate is like just quick plays. Like you think of all the slants to Michael Thomas and the screens to Kamara, um, like the way they play fits a, quick season where there's not a lot of time to practice um it also fits a go up to the line there's no crowd noise there's no crowd like do whatever we want at the line of scrimmage just do this real quick uh, so I, I think that matters the bucks i also have as a, as a playoff team they have the best d line in this um pro- in this division for sure maybe it's you know one of the best in the league one of the best anyway um and you know i'm not a huge brady guy i don't know if he's gonna go down there and light it up like some people think but they are going to be good enough, and they're going to be good enough on defense, too, where I think they're in the playoffs. Uh, but I'll take the Saints in the division. NFC West, I still have the 49ers. Uh, best D-line. This one, I'll probably say the best D-line in the league. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan is really good at coaching offense, especially. He kind of found – he was one of the first to find this kind of market correction with the run game. Everyone else was passing. Um, so – I like the 49ers a lot. They still have a lot of weapons. They're going to figure out how to do stuff. Um, Seahawks, I have in the playoffs. Uh, I think Russell Wilson, for me, is the second-best quarterback in the league besides Mahomes. You know, now I will say, you got somebody ahead of him, Coop? Yeah, I think that's a good – no, I think right? it's pretty yeah, I, I, I don't know who else besides Mahomes. But yeah. um, I think they get hurt by this whole, like – COVID, no fans at the stadiums, they get hurt worse than anybody else, right? Yeah, Think yeah. of their home home field advantage is huge. And then, you know, the home field advantage is kind of an overcompensation for them because of the travel that they normally have to do, being all the way up in Seattle. Like, their travel is worse than anybody else's, always, every year. But they kind of get it made up for yeah. with this great home field advantage they have. Well, like, now they lose that. Uh, so I, that's why I probably don't have them winning the division, but I do have them as a playoff team. Um so then my division winners were Eagles, 49ers, Vikings, and Saints. My wild cards, I had the Bucks, I had the Seahawks, and then my last team is actually the Rams. Um, I, I like a little bit of a bounce-back uh, regression for McVay's offense. I think that Goff is better than what he played last year. They have a lot of weapons on defense. And, you know, you're looking at this team and you're like, okay, they have Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. If they stay healthy, like, they should be able to at least force turnovers to where – you know, things are a little bit easier on Goff. I think that helps Goff a lot. Like, he's not this guy who's probably going to carry you. But, you know, he can throw the ball pretty well. He's a number one pick. Um, I like the Rams to, to get back to the playoffs this year. So that, that's my seven in the NFC. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I got might as well just do it briefly. I got um, we're talking in the East. I actually got I got the Eagles. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a WFT guy, so I can't. <laughs> so I got the yeah, I got the Eagles. Um, I got the Vikings in the North. Um, call me crazy, but I got the Atlanta Falcons in the South. Okay. Wow. I think what I think with them uh, finishing six and two out of the last eight games, then also a, a big victory against San Francisco on the road. I, I think that's going to be a carryover effect. And uh, then I got the 49ers winning the West. Uh, my wild cards are the Seahawks, Saints, and the Bucks. So I got a trifecta in the NFC South. Yep. <laughs> that's, I mean, probably the best division in football, I'd say. I mean, other than Carolina, I think so. obviously. And I think Carolina's going to sneak up on teams, too. I don't think, like, like they're another team where they kind of scare me. They got a guy like, a, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who's a Swiss Army knife. Yes. A guy like a Teddy Bridgewater, who's a game manager. So a lot of it is like, uh, like they got a good defense, you know, and, and essentially drafting all defense. And you just wonder what Joe Brady's going to do in that offense. Yes. Hell, if he made, he made Joe Burrow into, you know, into a number right. one overall pick, where well, he wasn't even probably going to be drafted. You know, this yeah. time last year, we looked at him as an afterthought, not the face of the Cincinnati Bengals. So just no telling uh, with that. So let's yeah. let's talk about the AFC, fellas. So um, who you guys got in the AFC? I'm gonna go with you first, uh, Mike. I'm gonna go with you first. Okay. Um, so I'll start AFC South. This is this probably was the toughest one for me, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, they really have three teams. I think that yeah. could legitimately win the division: Titans, Colts, and Texans. I think each one could win the division. Um, I went with the Titans. I think the clowny piece puts them just over the top um, compared to the rest. Like they're just going to do their grind and run, and it's it's going to work. I think with Derrick Henry, uh, Tannehill, we'll see. I don't think he's the Tannehill we saw last year, uh, but I don't think he really needs to be that good anyway. Um, the defense is probably going to get a little better, and I think the surrounding pieces where they can just kind of manage the game. I think um, I'd go with the Titans to win the division. Um, AFC East, this is an interesting one. Um, I'm going to go with the Bills instead of the Patriots. And, you know, that one is a tough one for me. Kind of a toss-up there almost. But I think that the Bills' defense is actually better than the Patriots. Um, If you look at their defenses last year, they were both fantastic. Uh, But the Patriots were helped a little bit more by the turnovers, uh, where, you know, a lot of times turnovers, they can say a lot during a season, but a lot of times they're a little bit fluky. And if you look season to season, they're not something that, like, holds up consistently. Uh, so I think if that number goes down, then I would probably take the Bills defense just as a as a whole unit. Um, also, Josh Allen. So I don't need – for the Bills to win the division, Josh Allen does not have to be good. Uh, he just really has to be above below average. The Bills were 9-0 and in games where he completed 60% of his passes. Like 60% of his passes, that's not that many passes. Like, he, you know, like yeah. that's not that good. That's, that's yeah. average at best. Like that's not that good. He doesn't have to be that good for them to win. Um, they were very well coached. Uh, now, the Patriots, I did have the Patriots as a playoff team for me. Uh, I think Cam Newton is going to be really nice for them. And, like, let's be honest, like, they're Bill Belichick coach. Like, they're going to win games that they're probably not supposed to win. Um, and depending on how the turnover battle goes, you know, they're going to be right there to win this division. Um, so then AFC West, I'll just get that out of the way. I think that's the easy one. I got the Chiefs. Uh, no brainer. <laughs> AFC North, um, I have the Steelers, uh, which is a whatever. I'm a homer there. I'm a Pittsburgh guy. But if you look at this team, you know, worst offense in the league last year. Like, that is – and they still finished 8-8. Eight eight. Like, worst 
um, offense in the league and you're eight and eight, like I think that kind of shows you, like, okay, if Ben Roethlisberger comes back, and of course has to stay healthy. Like if Ben gets hurt, then it's all out the window. Of course, we're back to worst offense in the league. But from from last year to the year before, we had the fourth biggest drop off in offensive DVOA ever. Uh, so that just kind of shows you the difference in offense between when Ben is there and when he wasn't there. Uh, the defense is spectacular. Minkah Fitzpatrick has been a steal of a trade. Uh, TJ Watt is becoming one of the best edge guys in the league. Like they got guys on defense. Um, Cam Hayward just got re-signed to uh, an extension. So I have the Steelers winning uh, the AFC North. Um, and then, so I, I already told you I had the Patriots as one of my playoff teams, wild card. Um, the second one is the Ravens. I do think the Ravens are still good. I think we can expect a little bit of comeback from Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, and, and whether that's, you know, forced for them, that's what they want to do because they just want him to throw the ball more and, you know, develop that part of his game where he's throwing outside the numbers. I think that they might do that, but I don't know if it actually translates to them winning more games. Uh, I do think the defense takes a little bit of a step back, too. I know they added some guys in the draft, but I don't think they're quite as good. Uh, But I do have them as a playoff team. And then my last playoff team, I was going back and forth on this one between the Browns and the Colts. I do think the Browns are going to be better this year. I like their new head coaching regime. Uh, But I did pick the Colts for this last playoff spot. Um, You know, Phil Rivers... If we're talking about guys who who had an off year last year and we're expecting them to be back to who they were, Phil Rivers is a candidate for that. Now, obviously, if it was caused by age and he just doesn't have it anymore, then it's not going to be there. And you could argue that Jacoby Brissett was maybe a better option uh, before he got hurt last year. But that doesn't mean that Phil Rivers is, is not a good option. I think Phil Rivers is still solid. They have a great offensive line. Uh, and the defense, they have some of the best linebackers in the league. Really good secondary. Super well coached uh, from the Andy Reid coaching tree there. Uh, and I think they're just a really smart organization. So uh, I normally like smart organizations. So that's my things. I have Chiefs, Steelers, Titans, Bills winning the divisions. And the wild cards are Patriots, Colts, and Ravens. And I left off Houston as well. The defense just is really bad, I think. And uh, I think it's finally time Bill O'Brien's bad moves catch up with him. So I have them out as well. <laughs> So um, I also have Kansas City winning the West. Um, I think that one's probably the most obvious, like Mike said. Um, In the South, I also went with Tennessee. Uh, You know, as long as Derrick Henry is healthy, I see no way that they lose this division. Um, I think the Texans will be competitive, um, but not quite good enough. I like the Colts as well. Um, I think they're they're more than solid um, and, and can compete. Uh, but I think Tennessee is the most well-rounded team in that division. Uh, in the North, I'm sticking with the Ravens to um, to to win that division. I don't think that they're going to make Lamar throw more um, unless teams kind of forced him to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what kind of growth he's made in the offseason. Um, but I think they would like to stick with the same formula. And now they've added J.K. Dobbins, who could give them some depth there in the backfield. Yep. You know, I think we see a lot of the same stuff we saw from them from last year. Um, and I still think they're the best team in that division. Um, obviously, Pittsburgh is going to be better if Big Ben stays healthy um, and will certainly be a playoff team. Um, and then in the East, I also had Buffalo. You know, I just I'm not a huge believer in the in the Patriots with no kind of deep threat. No one who can really stretch uh, yeah. you know, the defense or anything like that. Um, I'm concerned about their offense, uh, but they will be a playoff team because the AFC really isn't that strong. So I do have them as one of my wild cards. 
Um, obviously Pittsburgh. Um, and I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to say I'm going to go with Cleveland, Mike, uh, to, to be my last wild card spot. Uh, I think like this is make or break year for Baker Mayfield, right? Like it's yeah. Yeah. and really yeah. for the Browns in general, you, you invested a lot in this team, right? And yeah. you, you, it looks like they got the offensive coordinator they want. It looks like, right? Yeah. So I didn't buy the Browns hype train last year. I'm going to buy it this year. I think they might actually have the pieces. You get a full year of Kareem hunt, uh, which gives you another dynamic playmaker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like at, I'm going to pick the Browns because if they don't do it this year, then there's no hope for the Browns ever making the playoffs in their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's do it die year for them. So I got um I got the Chiefs, <clears throat> I got the Ravens, uh, the Bills and the Titans as my division winners. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> got the Steelers, nice. the Texans, and. The Las Vegas Raiders. Oh man, I like that one. Okay. At nine and seven. And I think it's weird about this team this year. They don't have any crazy, weird whirlwind road trips. Everything is really solid. Because I think last year, which when they had a great run, they were on the road what, from the end of September to, I think, early November. So I think October they were on the road for, you know. Then once they got home, they kind of settled themselves in and, you know, ended up finishing 97. I mean, 79 last year. So I look at the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> making like a splash. I, yeah. It's a, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can see it. it certainly it's going to be. Uh, I, you know, there's going to be one team that we didn't expect. Yes, um, yeah. you know, there's always one dark horse team, and that's why we make these predictions. And then we look back and we laugh at them and say, "Right, how do, how do we like, <laughs> like San Francisco last year? Like, how did we not see them coming? Like, we, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's going to be a team like that. And the Raiders, Derek Carr, you know, if he moves forward a little bit, and Josh Jacobs is a really solid back. Yeah, maybe John Gruden. Maybe John Gruden's got some magic. I like the Browns too. Um, yeah, Coop. I, I the think, Browns. Yep. Yeah, I think the Browns have addressed the offensive line, and that you know Stefanski, his system, which was you know what we were seeing in Minnesota last year, I think it fits them really well. I, I like Cle- I like Cleveland to probably be pushing for a playoff spot this year. But I will say, if I know anything, it's that losers lose, and the Brownies <laughs> are losers, so they're probably they're probably lose. They're probably lose. <laughs> so, fellas. Who is your who is going to the Super Bowl and your and your winner? Yeah. Um I think I have to go with the Chiefs to make it back out of the AFC. I just can't I just can't pick anybody but Pat Mahomes at this point. Um he, he's just I mean, I don't know how, how I could who else would I would pick against him because I know that they're gonna have to go through him at some point. Um, you know, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, you know, this is football, this is the biggest team game we have. Uh, but you know, Mahomes is just so good I have to go with Chiefs again in that AFC. NFC is tough. I would probably at this point. I think I'd go with the Saints. I think I, I think I'd go with the Saints just because of the experience, and I think that they're going to have the continuity. Um, now, you know, we kind of have been saying this about the Saints for four straight years now. You know, they're everybody's picking the preseason to make the Super Bowl for four straight years and haven't done it. You know, whether it's been a bad call or whatnot, like or or a Kyle Rudolph non-call, like. They lose in the playoffs. Like eventually, we had to start calling it out for what it is. And I know that they got a Super Bowl, you know, a decade ago, a decade, you know, a while ago, a decade and a half ago, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but, but I think this year they just put it together nicely. The defense is really solid. That's going to be the biggest thing. So I don't see San Francisco redoing it. 
I don't see Kirk Cousins in the Super Bowl. Um, and I don't see the Eagles in the Super Bowl. So by that, I'm just going to go with the Saints, and then I'll have the Chiefs <laughs> winning back-to-back. Chiefs going back-to-back. Mahomes is on the way to uh, GOAT status. It's a low blow of my Eagles, man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I also agree with your AFC pick. Uh, you know, I think Pat Mahomes um, will go to every Super Bowl that he wants to at this point. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with the second quarterback, second best quarterback in the league, quote okay. unquote, Mike, yeah. to make the Super Bowl uh, this year. It's been a while. Um, and I think the Seahawks have enough to do it now. Um, I think the Jamal Adams trade was big for them, um, you know, defensively. And I think if they can stay healthy um, and, and mostly Chris Carson stay healthy, I don't see any reason why they can't. Um, and I think, I think they let Russ loose this year. Like, I think we finally see yeah. Pete Carroll just kind of, you know, at some point in the season say, all right, you know, we've been a, a ground and pound kind of team for the longest, but this guy's too good to hold back. Right. And then Russell Wilson gets unleashed late in the season, um, maybe playoff time, um, and gets the Seahawks back um, into the Super Bowl. In that matchup, I would still take the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I think they're the most complete team um, by far, and they have potentially one of the best quarterbacks ever. Um, we'll see how his career pans out, but he's on that path right now in Pat Mahomes. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. and the, the interesting thing about the Seahawks, um, and I mentioned about the home field advantage thing and how that's going to hurt them in the beginning of the year. Um, you know, by you know, I'm not saying this is right or wrong or what they should be doing, but by playoff time, who knows how many fans are going to be in these stadiums? I'm not saying that's what should or shouldn't happen, right? You know, but I'm just saying, like, who knows? They might have that home field advantage if they're able to get it, and it could be huge. Yeah, absolutely. So I got, I'm going against the grain, fellas. I got, I got the Ravens. Okay. Winning, uh, I got the Ravens and the Saints in the Super Bowl. And I have the Baltimore Ravens win the Super Bowl this year. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. That would be huge. And I think it's just so much on Lamar Jackson's shoulders, mm-hmm. where it's almost like, hey, Pat Mahomes has created this standard, where it's like, hey, you know, Pat Mahomes won the league MVP, you know, losing the AFC Championship game. He bounces back, have somewhat of a lesser year, but it's still a great year. And it didn't end up winning, you know, Super Bowl MVP. And Lamar's like, hey, this could be me this time next year. So I look at that as that potential. So, yeah, man. So definitely, yeah, that's just going to be a very interesting but yet fun season. So, fellas, we're going to put a bow in this week's Couch Coach Live, man. I want to go around the horn. Um, who, who gets this game ball? Uh, we do a thing every week where game ball, just a, a performance in the world of sports that you, that you, you know, that you want to, you know, speak on. You want to go first, Mike? You can go if you got one. I do have one. Um, And I think it's a little obvious uh, that we have to give Jimmy Butler a game ball uh, for what he has done uh, in this second round series. You could make a strong argument that he's been the best player in the second round, um, you know, and, you know, granted, Given what happened to him, you know, last year with the Philly debacle and things like that, how they went out, um, and you know, as a Philly fan, 
I wasn't really big on Jimmy Butler coming back uh, to the Sixers simply because he's 30 and I didn't want to be paying him 25 plus million dollars at 34 or 35 years old. So I was okay with them letting him leave. Um, and I feel bad about it now. I regret it. I, I miss Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, he's just, he has this tenacity about him that, um, that isn't seen much in the league anymore. Um, and it's on both ends of the floor, you know, whether he's scoring or not, he's going to play hard on the defensive end. And it's like, he can have like cold games and, and really be silent offensively for like three quarters. But when it's time and you absolutely need a bucket, like Jimmy Butler has been throughout his career, that guy, but especially in this playoff series, like a lot of these games with the Bucks have come down to just Jimmy Butler being better down the stretch than uh, the two-time MVP. Um, so Jimmy Buckets gets my game ball. Nice. I like, nice. That one. I, I like that one a lot. I think, you know, if you're just talking about sports and players, I, I think Jimmy Butler has to be the pick right now. Uh, can I give my game ball? Actually, I just was thinking about this. Can I give my game ball to Madden, to the video game Madden, for putting Colin Kaepernick yeah. back in the game? Uh, this year? Okay. Finally, yeah. uh, I think it's a good reminder to all of us that he did not retire. He did not disappear. Uh, he <laughs> is waiting to play. He's a free. He goes kicked out. You know, he was barred entry to the league. And now uh, Madden has at least recognized that he's still – possibly could be working i know goodell has come out and said uh you know if someone wants to sign him they can sign him we encourage them to sign him or you didn't say that two years ago when you told him not to right. sign him and now you know that if somebody does sign him you're admitting guilt that right. you did kick him out of the league if someone waits and signs him now two years later uh so my game balls to men for putting uh kaepernick back in the game yeah uh man's gotta go to cam newton i think cam newton being named the captain of the New England Patriots. Yeah. And everybody was looking at him. Well, oh, my God, is he going to start for this team? Oh, is it going to be Jared Stenham? Like, he's the actual captain of this New England Patriots team, a team that had a captain for 20 years that is now gone south. And I'm like, this is just amazing, you know, when you look at it from that standpoint where it's just like Cam Newton is the, is the captain. He's going to have a C on his chest. When he when he suits up on you know on Sunday, yeah, and I'm just happy for him. I'm just like you know we we've been talking about him all off season. Like, well, yeah. why is this man still available? And you know, I, and you try to make the conceivable excuses. Well, no one can get physicals, but then it's like, okay, well, Todd Gurley got a physical in the middle of a pandemic, so it's like you know you look at these other examples, and I'm like. I'm trying to make excuses, and I'm like, no, it's just you, you try to make it like, okay, well, you try to try to justify why he didn't get picked up at such at a certain time, but definitely, um, huge shout out to Cam Newton, man. I'm definitely looking forward to see him and Josh McDaniels' offense and see what they're gonna do and the magic that's gonna be created. Yep. So, fellas, our final thoughts, our final thoughts before we uh, put a bonus week's pod, fellas, final thoughts. Um, yeah, just want to say thanks for having us on, man. It's uh, this has been a fun episode, and we really appreciate you, um, you know, letting us come on your show and talk some sports with you. Yep, absolutely fun, man. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely a great night to talk about that. And we had a couple things breaking news: the, the number yeah. one seed in the East is gone. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, <laughs> right. And Billy Donovan, by far, probably one of the most shocking coaching firings. 
You know, yeah. at this point, I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, as far as we talked about at, on the other episodes, Nate McMullen getting gone, you know, gone, but Billy Donovan in the middle of a podcast gets, you know, pretty much is gone, and I, we was able to break that news, so that was fun. We delivered a Woj bomb on Couch Coach Live, so <laughs> yeah. we definitely, That's it was awesome. a definitely, definitely great night. Anytime you can do a Woj bomb on your podcast, it's a hell of a night. Yeah, no doubt. So, fellas, where can they find you on social media? Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at all underscore in underscore pod. Um, we're also on Facebook. Um, it's the all in network is our uh, podcast network um, that the all in podcast is also under. Um, so you can find us on Facebook at I think the at is all in media network. Um, you can find us on Instagram, just all in network there as well. Um, and our podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, every platform, really. Um, and we are also uh, watchable on YouTube as well. Yep. And we also have a blog on our website, um, allinnetwork.net. Go to allinnetwork.net. That's our website blog. You can find our articles we write about redrafting classes or, or Eli just wrote about um, – the Warriors trade possibilities, including talking about Giannis. So make sure you check that out. And we also have links to our other podcasts on our network. Uh, we've got a few other shows that we have a politics show, uh, not hosted by us, but they're, they're on our network, all in politics. Also, we have uh, beast gaming. So anybody into esports, check out that podcast. You can find them all, all in network.net. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Once again, you can follow the show. And it, anywhere on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on the Couch Coach Live. Also, uh, the website, couchcoachlive.com. The podcast, also, um, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, you name it, it's on there. And definitely appreciate the guys coming through. Definitely, um, definitely appreciate you guys for stopping through tonight. And this has been this week's Couch Coach Live, man. We will catch you guys next week.